0: Hey guys, welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on Simon T. Bailey. He's a speaker, success coach, author, television host, philanthropist. His purpose in life and for this episode is to help you discover your brilliance. He says that everyone has it within them. Um, but we are getting buried by society's rigid rules and we're not really allowed to use our talents and abilities. So he's going to help us try to shift that way of thinking. And we're going to talk about uh, how his background and hospitality helped him in business. We're talking about marriage and how there's a lot of talk that it's dying down. It won't exist soon. Um, we're going to talk about the power of the imprint of your father. I mean, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, also, igniting the power of women in business, loving with no strings attached, complete emotional honesty and more. He's very charismatic, and I think you're going to really like this episode, so here is Simon. Hi, this is Simon.
1: Hi, Simon.
2: It's Davina. How are you? Good morning. How are you,
1: Davina?
2: Good morning. I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to get started. Any questions before I just jump in?
1: Uh, No, just how can I best serve your audience and uh, how long will we go for?
2: We'll go for around half an hour.
1: Okay. All right. Sounds Mm -hmm. good.
2: So, Simon, tell me about the challenges that men are going through right now as roles are shifting and we're being kind of thrusted into this unknown territory after the past three years of our lives. So what could you tell us more about that?
1: I think uh, the first thing that men are just challenged with right now is um, economic uncertainty uh, in a world that is being disrupted and transformed by technology. I think the second thing that men are are really uh, grappling with is education and thinking about how do they level up and stay ahead of the curve. And I think the third thing is just really understanding not only their purpose, but how do they create their future and still be relevant Uh, in their relationships uh, that they have. Uh, And it's not just obviously the relationship, the opposite sex, but the relationships that they have with other men, with other individuals. Um, As you know, there's a loneliness epidemic that's on the planet right now. So uh, very few men have friends. Uh, So how do they just really uh, maneuver through those challenges that they're facing?
2: Very, very true. And... How do you think you've mentioned the power of the imprint of your father? How does that come into play? How does that affect them?
1: Yeah. So I think uh, the first thing men have to identify is what was their relationship with their father? Uh, was it a healthy relationship? If it was a healthy relationship, what did they take away that has allowed them to become who they are today? If it was an unhealthy relationship How have they worked through that? Have they gone to therapy? Have they sat down with their dad? Have they at least had a conversation? And of course, there are those men who say, my father was never in my life. Uh, My father left home after my parents' divorce. I never knew my father. So how do you begin to, first of all, start with professional help to begin to navigate through that father's imprint, whether it was there or not. And then once you begin to navigate it, What is the way forward to you? How do you begin to be a healthy father if, in fact, you are a father? Um, How do you begin to move forward and not allow what you did or didn't have to hold you back? I think the third thing is, and this is something that I did, and this is just a a recommendation, and I would once again um, just double-click on uh, talking to a professional counselor. I'm not a professional counselor, so I'm only sharing what worked for me. I actually wrote a letter to my dad, of of so many things that I wanted to say to him that I didn't say to him when he was alive. And when he was gone, it was too late. And in writing that letter, it allowed me to no longer suppress the frustration that I had and the things that I should have said, the things that perhaps we could have done but we didn't do because he was just trying to put food on the table. And when I wrote that letter, I went outside, I took a match, and I burned the letter up. And when I burned the letter up, that was me releasing what was holding me back or what I was holding on to so that I can move into more of a healthy uh, life as a man, but certainly as a man who one day would get into a relationship.
2: That's beautiful. I love that. And do you have, like, a powerful story you could share of helping someone through your work that just sticks with you every time? Just...
1: Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I think one of the guys um, that reached out to me, and he had come across the book, Ignite the Power of Woman in Your Life, a Guide for Men. And he lived in South Carolina, got on a plane, flew to Orlando, Florida, where I live, and he said, I read your book. Your book saved my marriage. And uh-huh. it gave me a way of learning how to communicate uh, with the, the women in our lives, right? You know, our mothers yeah. and daughters. Um, and it just really, really uh, impacted me in politics.
2: I love that. Thanks for sharing that. So you are all for complete emotional honesty. How can people, um, I guess, practice that more?
1: Emotional honesty really starts with saying, I don't know what I don't know, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I'm open to finding out. Uh, I think it's asking questions. It's being curious, and it's living in the question of how do I evolve? How do I grow? So for example, Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I got married, uh, after going through a divorce, being married for 25 years and I got remarried and people always ask me, well, how's it going? And I said, you yeah. know what? We're taking it one day at a time and we are in a place of peace. And for me, mm-hmm. peace and being in a healthy place, is all that matters right now. <laughs> doesn't say it's easy every single day, but it's recognizing I have to show up, I have to do my work. I have to communicate, and I have to say, when it's not working, what's the way forward? How do we move past this? Not overlooking it, but saying, you know what? I missed it. I want to get better. That's emotional honesty.
2: That's awesome. And do you have any other, I guess, tips for people who are in relationships that they probably should leave but are scared to that you could share?
1: Yeah, I think uh, every 30 days, evaluating and asking the person that you're in a relationship with on a scale of one to five, one being the lowest, five being the highest, how are we doing? And to Mm -hmm. rate it. And if it's below a three, say, hey, what do we need to do to improve it? Even if it's at a conversation where a person will get you feedback and you're like oh my goodness you bring it down to rating yeah because that's something tangible that now you have a goal that you can work towards that you're saying it's important enough for me to know how you're doing so I'm going to put myself out there and will you meet me halfway and if right. we identify what is working let's move forward if we identify that there's a, a roadblock let's remove it
2: I like that so it could be the age of social media and the past three years, but there's a lot of talk that marriage is dying down. A lot of people just don't want to get married. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, marriage is a great thing i uh-huh. i and the reason I say that because marriage obviously allows you to procreate and bring another human being you know into the world yes. uh, into the planet. I think we really have to start with what do you want to get out of a marriage? Because a half Mm -hmm. man and a half a woman doesn't make a whole marriage, right? Right. So what is it that marriage can do? I can only look at my journey and I would say marriage made me a better man. If Mm -hmm. I was not married, I would have perhaps not matured, became responsible and understood how to be selfless instead of selfish. So the benefits of truly being a marriage Uh, there's so much upside. All the research says, obviously, uh, the health benefits of being in a marriage. Uh, I would certainly start there. But really, really think about, am I showing up in a marriage because of the sex or am I showing up in the marriage because I cherish this person enough to want to become a better human being in relationship with them and together we become better.
2: Well said. So online dating, what are your best online dating tips for and then to seek an equal partner, someone who would give them all of that you just mentioned.
1: Well, I think online dating, we have to go in with our eyes wide open and pick our yeah. platforms uh, very carefully because online dating can turn into a full-time eight to 10-hour-a-day job uh, just oh, between yeah. <laughs> monitoring all the platforms. So I think, number one, starting with what is it that you're looking for? And most people kind of have uh, in their mind. But then number two, spend time just having a conversation before you physically meet. If you connect with someone online, don't ghost mm-hmm. them. Show up yeah. as who you really are and make sure that the pictures that you put on that particular site match the pictures. If they were to Google, go to and do a Google images, that the pictures are the same pictures, you know, just don't, you know, clip art in your way and, and present something that you're not. And I think the third thing is uh, once you do connect with a person maybe shut it down and don't try to talk to multiple people because uh-huh. your emotional energy will be scattered and yeah. men, women will know if you're not laser focused and totally into them, they have a success, they know. So just say, yeah. Hey, let's talk. And, and all you're asking is mutual respect. I'm not going to ghost you. Don't ghost me.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Those are very good tips. This is this comes from someone who met her husband on a dating app. So, i thumbs up um so can we love with no strings attached
1: absolutely because when you love with no strings attached it's not about what you can get but it's about what you can give when you Mm -hmm. love with no strings attached you are always looking to be in service to that other person for who you become in the process when you love with no strings attached you move from loving to cherishing. Anyone can say I love you, but when you say yeah. I cherish you, you're willing to die for that person because yeah. you so know that that cherishing is a lot deeper than just saying I love you. But love is not what it says. It's what it does. It's how it shows up every single day. Even here's here's the other thing. When you love mm-hmm. with no strings attached, you discover, discover that love is inconvenient. You will be yeah. inconvenienced. And it's that time when you're called to say, hey, can you do this? And it's not the convenient time, but you press through and you do it anyway. That's loving yep. with no strings attached.
2: That's very true. So how do, you, how do you love? What do you do? How do you show your love? And how can other people show their love more?
1: Well, obviously we would have to maybe put it in the context of Dr. Gary Chapman's work the five mm-hmm. love languages. And it's yeah. really understanding the love language of your spouse. Um, I know that Jody, my wife, uh, she mm-hmm. likes acts of kindness and quality mm-hmm. time. That's very important mm-hmm. to her. But I know that she also loves gifts and words mm-hmm. of affirmation. So I'm very mindful of the words that I use with her. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing, when's the last time you bought a card or wrote a letter or left a note in just the place that she frequents, you know, on a on a given day? And it's just the thought of doing that little thing that goes a long way. Uh, what would it be like to be spontaneous to say, hey, Mm -hmm. I've got a plan. Um, Meet me at 4 p.m., such and such a place. And it's that element of surprise where you're always thinking of the other person as to how you can woo them and wow them.
2: Love it, love it, love it. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about your background in hospitality. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before you became a speaker, you have you were, what were you doing, and how do you think it's helped you in business? Because I think there's a huge connection there.
1: Well, my last job was self-director, new business development director for the Disney Institute. And mm. what I loved about working in the hospitality industry, and obviously for Disney, is it's all about the attention to detail. It's okay. always looking to create a magic moment. And it's always realizing that true business is done in the power and context of relationships. So you won't get anything done unless you know how to master relationships. So when I look back at everything that I've done for Disney and other organizations, it's benefited me in always being observant, having situational awareness every single day, what's going on, being able to read the room. Uh, The second thing is understanding that customer service is a department, but customer love is a mindset. And that customer love mindset is looking for ways to exceed expectations, not because there's a dollar tied to it, but how do you help someone become that unofficial marketing department because of the experience that's been created for them? And then the third thing uh, is to always understand when you know your value, you don't lower the, the price of something because if you lower the price of a product, then you become a commodity. You're competing like everyone else. But when you Mm -hmm. begin to value the experience that you create, then the target market becomes very narrow, but then it allows you to go deep because you go above and beyond and creating that little something extra that they can't get anywhere else. So, for example, going to Starbucks and they ask, what is your name? I know that is so simple and maybe even oversimplified, but how many other places do you go and they ask? Or your name it's just that one little thing that differentiates you why people pay a lot of money for coffee at Starbucks.
2: very true so um with business relationships for the entrepreneurs and business men and women who are listening how do we build better business relationships what what do you follow and how could you help people understand that how to build them
1: i think the best way to build relationships now is to think about what is the value that you can bring people uh, as we've come through the vicissitudes of the pandemic what is it that Mm -hmm. you can bring to them that they can't get anywhere else Uh, that's number one number two being empathetic taking time Mm -hmm. to ask how are you doing and the reason that's important everybody is dealing with different things we don't know Anything right. can trigger anyone. So doubling and, and clicking down on wellness well-being. I think number three is moving from uh, transactions to relationships that might, necessarily, might not necessarily have a, a benefit for you. But in the spirit of paying it forward, uh, when they know that you are about always giving a little something extra, they become your unofficial marketing department and begin to tell others about how you do business. So always looking oh, for a way to just give a little something extra that people couldn't get anywhere else.
2: I love that last one. That That one's great. So you have a bunch of courses, and there's one on how to ignite the power woman women in business. Could you give a little, like, summary of all the different courses you have and how they could help people?
1: Yes, so igniting the power of women in business really is understanding, based on all the research, this is the age of the woman. And Mm -hmm. any organization or business, whenever they have women at the helm, there is a bottom line positive impact. 62% of the car purchases made by women. 75% of the healthcare decisions made by women. 92% of the vacation plans made by women. So what we try to do at Ignite the Power of Women is to really look at Am I collaborating with women on my team every single day for where the business can go, number one? Number two, how do we recognize the contribution of women and make sure that we just don't have males sitting around the table making all the decisions, but we're ensuring that we have a diversity of thought because that diversity of thought allows us to see what we can't see, right? And then the third thing, um, as it relates to Ignite the Power of Women in Business, is understanding when we advocate for women in business women will advocate for us and help move the business forward and then some of our other courses are around building business relationships um, how you begin to grow relationships as a leader to ensure that people are being the best version of themselves
2: well said and what's your favorite speaking topic
1: My favorite speaking topic is spark empathetic leadership. I just really think empathy and kindness uh, is critically needed right now on the planet.
2: I don't disagree. And where do you think, do you consider yourself a spiritual man?
1: I do. Yeah, I am very, very spiritual.
2: Very good. And how do you think that applies to what you do?
1: It leads everything that I do, because I see things through a spiritual lens. I'll never mm-hmm. forget years ago, I was sharing the stage with the late, great Dr. Stephen Covey, and he mm-hmm. said, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spirit yeah. beings having a human experience. So I show up every single day with that understanding that I'm a spirit being uh, having a, a human experience.
2: And what's like, what's next for you? What do you think that you want to do take with your speaking business and your next book? Do you have new ideas that you just haven't tackled yet that you're interested in tackling?
1: Yeah, our focus is to really uh, ignite brilliant women around the planet. I really, really believe that any corporation uh, community that's going to be worth its salt must recognize brilliant women. And so the men that are listening to us are like, what are you saying? Here's the deal. When women are celebrated rather than tolerated, women are going to make sure everybody benefits, everybody grows. And so we've got to be about brilliant women. And how do we begin to lift them up and elevate them and celebrate them in whatever that looks like? So that, for me, is just really, really important and big.
2: Happy wife, happy life. I guess that's where it came from, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, you can say that for sure.
2: Did you ever... um did you ever hear the story? It was a Chaucer story of like how that term came to be. It's so interesting, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll tell you, cause like, I always just think about it. And for someone whose message and business is all, all about celebrating women, I feel like it's, it's something that it's, it's, it's so amazing. So basically uh, there was this young knight and he was, Uh, by the water and he sees this beautiful young maiden and he makes the decision to go assault her rape her and he gets caught so he's taken to the king and queen and the queen goes I'll spare your life for one year if you go around in one year you have to come back and you have to tell me what women really want and he goes, okay, I'll try. She goes, if you don't come back 300, in 365 days, I will kill you. He goes, okay. So he goes town to town. He asks people, what do women really want? You know, some women go, oh, we want uh, laughter. Someone says we want sex. We want money. This, that. He just gets conflicting answers. So on the last day, he's sitting crying, saying, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. When this hag comes up to him and goes, I will tell you what women really want but when your life is spared, you have to marry me. He's like, okay. So she said that women want sovereignty over men. So he goes to the king and queen, and they're like, do you have your answer? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And he repeats that, and the queen is just shocked. And she goes, okay, you know, you you can live. So that night he has a wedding with the hag, and he's basically crying, crying, crying. He's like, oh my god, I'm married to an ugly lady. Like my life is spared, but still, this is what I have. And the hag goes, to him, honey, what would you like to do right now? And he goes to her, oh, whatever you want, dear. And she turns into this beautiful young maiden, and he's all he's all happy.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. Isn't that funny? Love it. Mhm.
2: So yeah, but how can you? How can you encourage more men to take on this mindset, how we have to nurture women and bring them up and not just tolerate them? What else can they do? This is for the men listening.
1: I think look at all the women in their life and ask themselves, how can they improve that relationship from mm-hmm. their mother, their sister, their obviously their spouse or significant other, their nieces or female cousins? How do you start there? Right. Then, when you think about this in a societal or professional context, um, how do you just respect women? Uh, no longer, you know, just you know, tr- trying to be disrespectful, but respectful as far as opening the door. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. There's nothing behind it, there's nothing attached to that. It's just showing respect. Uh, when you are in a meeting, and if a woman tees up an idea, how do you champion that idea instead of letting Joe Bob uh, a few hours later take the same idea and say it again as if she never said it but making it its, his own? How do you stop that in his tracks and say, no, she said this, and we're going to support her for bringing up this suggestion? Champion women, Look, looking for those opportunities to always do what's right instead of what's convenient.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And do you believe in keeping a positive circle, of people around you, cutting out negativity, toxicity? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, let me address this from a male standpoint. And sometimes men, you can uh, be with a group of men and you're married, but the guys you're with are not marriage-minded. So Mm -hmm. whoever has your ear, has your life, be very mindful of who you keep company. They are rubbing off on you figuratively off literally and you're rubbing off on them just in how you think how you show up i think and and then building on that it's really understanding that where you will be five years from now is based on the relationships and the people you associate with right now because Mm -hmm. you will you will never grow past your level of competency if you do not have individuals who are constantly challenging you to level up. You will always live down or live on the level of those where you are comfortable. That's why they call it a comfort zone, because no Uh one's going to rock my boat or challenge me to step out and to take a risk. I'm going to hang out with those who allow me, who are just like me, and we're not pushing each other. We're good where we are.
2: It's very important to be uncomfortable to really grow. That
1: is very true. Totally, totally.
2: Yeah. Uh, could you share some of your favorite books? I just feel like you have a great library. I'm getting that vibe. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my so goodness. Nice... Where should we start? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, we need well the, number, yeah, the number one book that I always, always recommend – when I'm asked this question, it's a book called When I Stop Talking, You'll Know I'm Dead. It's written by Jerry Weintraub. Jerry Weintraub was the uh, agent for George Clooney, Brad Pitt, in another lifetime, Elvis Presley, John Denver. The book will have you laughing, crying, all in the same breath. It is, It, it, it helps you look at Hollywood through just a fresh lens. Um, Another book that I recommend is The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan. You will not put this book down. It is so good. Um, An an oldie but goldie is The Wealth of Nations, just understanding just the economy and Mm -hmm. and just where things are. Uh, One of my favorite books is The Six Conversations, and it's written by an author named Heather Holliman. She's a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and one of the things that she says, when you're in conversation, ask people, what is the question you wish that I would have asked you that I didn't ask you? And that can work oh. in relationships, and that can work uh, in business. Uh, it's just, what's the question you wish that I would have asked you that I didn't ask you? Those are just a few that I recommend.
2: I love. And who are your, like, business idols?
1: Wow, Malcolm Godwell, Seth Godin, mm. um, Magic Johnson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are just a few. Also, um, I have been extremely impressed with how Oprah has been able to just reinvent and pivot and still remain yeah. relevant and have such a, a powerful impact. Uh, I think it's uh, it's pretty amazing what she's been able to do.
2: Oh my God, she's just the OG classic.
1: Yes, totally.
2: So where's Simon in five years? What's he doing?
1: Well, if anything, in five years, we want to be into philanthropic ventures that impact the least, the last, the often forgotten. And if we do that, then we have left an imprint on the planet and finding a way to hug people with our words every single day because encouragement is oxygen for the soul
2: oh that's beautiful thank you simon simon i had such a wonderful time speaking with you can you tell everybody where to find you get your books your courses
1: yes they can go to simon t bailey t like terrific simon t bailey.com or ignite the power of women.com
2: perfect thank you again simon have a great rest of your day and happy holidays
1: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
2: You too. Bye-bye.
0: S. co and use my code divine healing by d to sign up and find sponsors that's podmetrics co referral code divine healing by d good luck